Hi, this is Bob Heiler of the Bankruptcy Law Success Podcast, where we introduce you to successful bankruptcy lawyers, as well as powerful ideas that can transform your bankruptcy practice. Today, I'm speaking with David Stidham, CEO and founder at BK Billing. David is based in Sandy, Utah. David, uh, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's glad to be here. So I'm really excited to be talking to you today because I think what you're doing could really shake things up for bankruptcy lawyers and in a good way. But before we get into the benefits of your approach, I thought maybe you could just start by giving us a 30-second explanation of what it is that BK Billing does. Sure. BK Billing essentially buys the accounts receivable from the attorneys. So when the attorney files a bankruptcy, depending on how they file it, there can be a receivable that they then are owed. And so what we'll do is we'll come in and buy that receivable at a discount so that the attorney has operating capital and can run their business appropriately. Mm -hmm. So I looked it up. I saw you created your website in February 2016. So is that how long you've kind of been running the company? Yeah, we've been doing BK billing since February 2016. Uh Maybe you could tell me the story behind how you came up with BK billing. Sure. Basically, I was working with a close friend of mine, Sean Mulaney, who is a bankruptcy lawyer in Salt Lake City. And everyone had the same dilemma in hiring their bankruptcy lawyer, which was that they just did not have funds to hire the lawyer, and that they were needing to get the bankruptcy filed, but they didn't have access to capital so that they could pay their attorney's fees. And so what we did is we decided to try to create a, a mechanism where the attorney could get paid up front and still be able to accept new clients and create access for these clients. And the clients can make payments over time. And so we went through a few different versions of that, but where we landed was on purchasing the AR directly from the attorney uh, once they have created the AR with the client and and engaging in the client that way. Mm -hmm. So on a very simple understanding of your business model, all you're doing is you're another factor that factors accounts receivable or AR. But I think that really kind of gives short shrift to the revolution that's going on here because it seems to me that what BK Billing is doing is is you're enabling a marketing revolution where you're able to do this $0 down and really change the offer that bankruptcy lawyers are making to their customers. And that can lead to an explosion in in revenue. Am I overselling it? Yeah. Yeah. No, you're, you're not. We, we try to be a little bit more just because we understand what the market conditions are. I mean, it's just one of those very powerful things where the bankruptcy clients simply don't have access to capital. And historically, they've had to pay in full their attorney's fees before a bankruptcy could be filed. And so now with bifurcation and with some other things, there's methods where a bankruptcy attorney can file the case for the client and enter into an arrangement for post-petition payments. And that is really the key. The post-petition payments and and the willingness to accept post-petition payments from clients is really what's what's driving this this marketing change, this market change. And David, I absolutely want to get into that and build the legal foundation for this approach and talk about post-petition service contracts. But before we do that, I want to get the bankruptcy lawyers who listen to my podcast, I want to get them excited about the potential increase in filings that they can achieve. Is there anything that you can tell us as public, you know, maybe without specifying who's getting these results, but maybe can you tell us a a good story here? Yeah, for sure. There's 
you know, without naming any names, I'll just tell you the reason why why it goes off is because you have two different things that are happening is one, you're able to convert more clients because now clients are able to file their bankruptcy without having to come up with a lot of cash or any cash and can, can get their bankruptcy filed. Now, the other reason why it works is because you get, if you use BK billing, if you use our services, you get access to operating capital right now that you can turn back into your business. And so what a lot of our clients are doing is they're advertising in a way that they've never done before and they're marketing in a way that they've never done before. So they're going from filing three or four cases a month and in a lot of cases to filing well over 15, 20 cases a month within just a couple months because they've eliminated the barriers for their clients to engage them and to hire them. And then we provide the operating capital that they need to run their business and to invest in marketing and do some other things. And so that combination can become very deadly mm-hmm. and you can see huge growth in literally two to three quarters. I mean, you could triple quadruple your growth output. Yeah. Actually, the reason I heard about you guys is that client of mine, Hector Vega found a adversary proceeding uh, for a bankruptcy lawyer that happens to use your services. I'm not going to say the name of the lawyer, but the reason that I reached out to you was that the adversary proceeding was actually the best advertisement I've ever seen for another for a service like yours and let me just read what it says it says according to court records from and it gives a three-month range this firm filed 23 chapter sevens over three months so that's 7.7 filings per month Mm -hmm. and then later it says since implementing the zero down model on this date this firm has done 90 chapter seven cases in this particular district over two months so that's 45 filings per month. The first period was January through March, and the second period was May through June. So we're going from 7.7 filings in, in the first quarter to 45 filings in the second quarter. Yeah. I mean, those are spectacular results. Yeah, that really is unique, but it's it's really a, a matter of that firm doubled down and really understood what the clients needed as far as access to their services and decided to essentially parlay the money that they were getting from us up front into a marketing campaign that really exploded for them. Mm-hmm. And they did a good job on it. You know, this particular law firm isn't the only one. It's, it's been fun to watch a lot of law firms take this approach and really create more access for their clients and then go gangbusters with it. And, and it's been a lot of fun to watch them grow in that way and handle more clients than, than really they've ever been able to do before. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a marketing consultant and I work with bankruptcy lawyers. And one of the things that you learn in marketing is that there's three elements to a successful campaign. One of them is what you offer. And the other two are how you offer it, and the third one is who you offer it to. But that first one of what you offer is so vital, and for a lot of bankruptcy lawyers or a lot of lawyers in general, their offer is a free consultation for people for someone to come in and spend you know 30 minutes an hour of, of the lawyer's time. It's a much more compelling offer to have a zero dollar down offer, and so on the marketing side, it takes. Typically for on Google AdWords, where I do a lot of advertising, it typically takes 30 to $40 to get a lead. But with a zero down model, I can imagine that the cost per lead goes down dramatically. Have you, have you heard anything about that? Yeah, it can. I mean, there's a lot of variables at play there. And we, we're not really in depth with the marketing. We have a lot of 
I'd call them affiliate companies or just companies that we, we work with that are aware of our business model and work with a lot of our clients. Hmm. But as far as cost per lead goes, yeah, your your cost per lead can go down and your, your conversion can go up, which can dramatically drive down your cost per acquisition. Yeah. So, so your cost per acquisition goes down significantly. And from a business standpoint, you know, that's, that's huge. Really what we've found is it maximizes what you're trying to accomplish as a firm. You know, going to 45 filings a month might not be the right game plan for your law firm. But if you are trying to go from filing five to seven cases a month to maximizing your firm's output and maybe going to 15 to 25 cases a month, you know, that that can be real. You know, that can max out your output and you can double or triple your income in a very short amount of time. Yeah, that's super exciting. So maybe we could go into the kind of the legal foundations of bifurcating a case into pre-petition and post-petition service contracts. But I, I, the first, uh, I don't think you're a, a lawyer. Is that right? No, nope. I am not a lawyer. <laughs> so that's why I said I can give you my ten thousand foot view. Yeah, yeah. But I can't really get into the details. Of it. Exactly. I'm not a lawyer either. But can you give us the thirty thousand foot view of bifurcating a case into pre-petition versus post? post-petition service contracts and how that enables your business model. Sure, sure. And this is still an area that's sort of gray and every jurisdiction across the country is is kind of, you know, dealing with it how they're they're deciding to deal with it. But basically in a in a bankruptcy, you can separate your fee agreement into a pre-petition agreement and a post-petition agreement where if you want to do certain things pre-petition, you can charge for your pre-petition services. If you decide to do those pro bono or, or free, you can do that. The post-petition thing comes in a little bit tricky. And, and really the cleanest way and the most well-accepted way is after you file the petition to then have a second contract signed by the debtor so that the contract is actually signed post-petition and then the debtor is engaging with you as the attorney to hire you for your post-petition services and work that's only done post-petition. And the big key to that is the fees have to be reasonable and they have to be based in work done. You can't just inflate some contract. You've got to say, you know what, we're doing 10 hours of work at $300 an hour, so it's a $3,000 contract. Mm -hmm. So you have to be really mindful, especially in the bankruptcy context of reasonableness and making sure that your fees align with that. But essentially, that's how it's done. You charge the client pre-petition for whatever you're going to do pre-petition. If you do a zero down, you charge nothing. You file the case. And then after the case is filed, you have the client sign a new contract. And then at which point we acknowledge that as a receivable and we can factor that receivable for you and, and get you paid cash up front. Great. And for attorneys out there who haven't come across the word factor before, could you break that down into plain English? Sure. The easiest way to understand how factoring works is it's a it's a cash flow solver. And the way that we do that, typically, there's, there's all different kinds of, of ways to factor. But the way that BK Billing does it is we simply purchase the accounts receivable at a discount. So if you have a $1,000 contract, we'll purchase it for 750 bucks, something like that. And that's how it works. So if you want to do all your own servicing and you know just wait out the life of the contract, you're more than welcome to do that. What most of our clients have found is that there's more value in getting your money up front and and then putting that money back to work than there is in waiting on the on the life of the contract. Mm-hmm. And then what we do as a factor is 
is typically when we collect from the client, we take that burden off of the law firm. So we do all the collections and we handle the payments and and all of that type of of thing. So the law firm doesn't have to focus on it. And it's also something that a a bankruptcy law firm in particular doesn't really want to have in its DNA. It doesn't really want to focus on collections, right? I would think most of them don't. Some of them do. You know, some some law firms really do have a, a pretty robust internal system for, for processing payments and, and trying to get after that. Yeah. Most law firms don't. Most law firms don't. And trying to do it that way in, and trying to carry the staff to, to manage a, a bunch of payments mm-hmm. is, is a little tricky, can be, can be challenging. Yeah. So it's a big relief to our clients to, to be able to, to essentially originate a contract and then sell us the AR, which allows them to focus on, you know, just working with their client and, and moving forward as opposed to, to trying to manage the, the ongoing receivables that are associated with doing this kind of a zero down filing platform. Mm-hmm. Where, where I was going with my comment was that for a solo or small bankruptcy practice that really focuses on bankruptcy, the whole point of bankruptcy is to improve your credit. So, you know, you could easily imagine a situation where some portion of customers are going to enter into financial distress again. And Mm -hmm. so a bankruptcy law firm is not going to be super eager to come down on them and and kind of reverse the benefit of giving them a clean credit report. No, of course not. Yeah. And we don't do that either. Like we we really try to give them the the best opportunity to to pay in full and and honestly, when they don't, there's a lot of other methods. Most people, the vast majority of people, if they're not paying in full according to schedule, work out some sort of payment schedule. Mm-hmm. Like the vast majority of clients have a desire to, to pay their attorney's fees. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes people get into a little bit of a cash flow situation, but overall, the clients are incredibly grateful for the opportunity to come to an attorney. And instead of having there be a financial roadblock, Having the attorney say, you know what, let's get you the services that you need. Mm-hmm. Let's create a solution for you now. And you can pay me out of your post-petition earnings for the post-petition services that I rendered. You can't collect from the debtor on pre-petition services. That's a violation. Yeah. So you got to be really careful with that. Well, let's take a step back because one of the things I don't think that we emphasized strongly enough is that Really, what you're doing is you're focused on Chapter 7s. This is a Chapter 13 would naturally have kind of a post-petition service contract, or rather you could enable a payment plan through the traditional Chapter 13 payment plan. Exactly. So this is really focused on Chapter 7s. Exactly. Exactly. One of the cool things that I saw is that you guys report positive payments to help customers rebuild credit. And Does that, does that actually help people build their credit back up after a 7? Yeah. Yeah, it reports. I mean, you know, like any credit reporting, you typically want to have three to five open lines. Mm-hmm. So after you file your bankruptcy, you know, it's not it's not going to be the only thing that you need to do to, to try to reestablish your credit, right? Mm-hmm. But it's nice to have your payments for your, your bankruptcy being reported, you know, your payments to your attorney being reported to the bureaus positively for you to help you kind of get a leg up. Absolutely. And then for the negative credit reporting, I saw that you wait at least 90 days to report any negative credit activity. Is that something that you just kind of work out with the lawyers just to kind of get them more comfortable with the negative? Well, then also to represent your flexibility, 
that you're willing to work with with people who have run into financial distress? Yeah, this is pretty unique to us. I'm not sure of other companies that have this policy, but we for for the space that we're in, the bankruptcy space, it works really well. Mm-hmm. And that's that we're trying to help these people out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Like the whole purpose of reporting to the credit is to rebuild their credit. Absolutely. And so we don't report negatively at all. Like the only time that we report negatively is if we have to close out an account mm-hmm. because they, they defaulted and they haven't paid. And if we have to close out an account, then that's what happens. But outside of that, we we don't report negatively. We believe in you know the positive reinforcement, mm-hmm. and that's been great. Most of our, like I said, most of our clients have have really been responsible with their payments. Awesome. In terms of default rates, can you can you give us a sense of the range of default rates that you're seeing out there? You want to know it's all over the board. Like we have a 15% holdback, and we have that in place because of default rates. But every attorney is a little bit unique. You know, some have a really small single digit, four to five percent, mm-hmm. seems to be about the the, the the minimum. And some, honestly, we've had to discontinue working with because their defaults have been in the low twenties. You know. Oh wow. So it just really depends. It's really all over the board. But I would say, on average, you can you can really stay within that fifteen percent holdback that we that we put out there. That's most of our clients are well within that range. Mm-hmm. One of the cool things that I saw is, you know, I did a lot of research on zero down chapter 13 plans and I found a, a bankruptcy attorney in North Carolina. His name is John Orkut and he had a $0 money down common sense qualifications. And he had these conditions that you had to meet in order to participate in the plan. So you had to have steady dependable income sufficient to pay your normal monthly living expenses in your chapter 13 payment no more than 2000 in funds on hand, and it goes on, okay? I'm not going to read the whole thing to you. Sure. With one of your partners, I saw that it said, to qualify, and this is one of BK Billings' partners, it said, to qualify, you must earn a monthly income of $1,500 or have a co-signer willing to sign the payment contract. Is that guidance that you give your, your, your lawyer partners or... That's a good question. We do. We have some form of underwriting just because like we said, if we if we don't have some way of underwriting the type of accounts that we will purchase, mm-hmm. then the, it can get a little bit ridiculous. You know, the defaults can get a little bit unruly. Mm-hmm. And so we just have some basic standards that we hold to. But yeah, gross income is one of them. The ability to be able to pay your, your bills, like all these types of things that we look at. Mm-hmm. And I guess the big key is we're not really offering credit per se. The attorney is offering credit in the form of of goods rendered. You know, it's not it's not an interest rate. There's no loan. It's nothing like that. It's simply a discount off of the services rendered. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's an in-house form of of credit that is pretty benign when you look at at how it works out over over the life of the contract. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I saw is that it seems like your payment, the term of your agreement is 12 months. So there's 12 monthly payments. Is that is that right? Or is that just one example? That's just one example. We, we max it out at 12 months. We typically see most of our contracts in the eight to 10 month range. 12 months seems a little bit long. Okay. But, you know, we have a range there where you can, where you can be. Most clients that we've seen prefer to pay it off early anyways. So most clients are paying off their their loans in that seven to nine month period. Oh, really? They pay it off early? A lot do. Yeah, a lot of them do. Well, they don't have that big credit card that they're trying to pay down or medical bill or whatever. So 
Exactly. Exactly. So a lot of them just start making their payments and then move on. But what we found is that a lot of people will, you know, when they get extra money, will will pay down their their debt, mm-hmm. you know, their contract. That's awesome. Are there any other kind of useful guidance or credit criteria to apply to prospects? No, we're pretty we're pretty open. We base most of it on on a job and on your income and on your ability to to pay to make a payment post petition and and you've gone through that in the bankruptcy process. So a lot of what we do is very similar to what the attorneys are doing already in the chapter 7 bankruptcy. You know, verifying income, verifying bank statements, doing that kind of stuff. Mhm. Mm-hmm. One of the cool things that that you do is that you finance the pre-petition fees which can include the uh, the court filing and I presume the uh, credit counseling fees. How important is that in terms of make, making that that zero dollar down, how important is that in terms of making that marketing offer be more powerful? How how important is that? It's pretty powerful. I mean, what we do, we kind of again, we leave it up to the attorney and up to the attorney contract, and that's because in each jurisdiction it's a little different, and how they handle attorneys' fees is a little different. Mm-hmm. We're we're just again, it's all about access, and it's all about creating the opportunity to get the services now that you need now to fix your cash flow. And so most of our attorneys will work out a contract where they can add in the attorney or the uh, court fees as part of their contract. And that can be a little tricky depending on where you are and they might want to treat it a certain way. And so you have to be really careful with what your local rules are. But most of our clients end up just paying the fees themselves and then including it in a in a contract that we that we then factor. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I suppose to be specific, they don't include that that pre-petition fee into the post-petition service contract. They would kind of do a free pre-petition service contract, mm-hmm. and then they might look to justify, might look to do something else to justify a higher post-petition service contract. Is that? Am I thinking about it right? Well, pretty much. What most people will do, especially on the zero down, is they'll do a petition to file the fee in installments. Mm-hmm. And so that's sort of what they'll they'll do is they'll put the client on an installment plan, and then they'll either, like I said, a lot of our attorneys will just front the cost. Most of the attorneys just pay it on a credit card. Mm-hmm. By the time the credit card bill comes due, they've received a contract that's factored, and they just pay off their credit card bill. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's what most of our attorneys are doing. Yeah. They're just paying for the the filing fees themselves, and then because it's an it's an admin fee, they don't usually have a hard time including that in their post petition contract. Got it. That's a good point. Okay. That's another thing that I want to bring up, which is that when you work with BK Billing, from what I understand, you provide them with kind of a sample set of pre-petition and post-petition service contracts and what to include so that they have a place to start. Or Is, is that right? Yeah, that's right. We give them a jumping off point just based on, on stuff that we've seen around the country and, and on the case law that we've, that we've done, you know, we've, or on the case law searches that we've done. We've really worked hard on the bifurcation front to figure it out as much as possible. And it's emerging right now. And the, the conversation is ongoing about bifurcation and how to do this. Mm-hmm. 
there's some really exciting things happening across the country with like with guarantees and with some things that you can do that way. Then and we're kind of developing some of these ideas. But bifurcation is going to run its course. We're going to see what the judges and the courts decide in bifurcation mm-hmm. because right now everybody is is using it to create access via you know a zero money down type of a solution Mm -hmm. and that's good and so hopefully the courts continue to move in that direction but if they don't there's other options too there's other options that allow you to still move forward and and work with your client create post-petition payments and do these kinds of things is that what you're talking about guarantees or i didn't actually follow what you were saying yeah yeah and it's a little it's and i'm sort of being a little coy but there's a we're developing some, there's a lot of attorneys across the nation that are, are working on, on models that don't include bifurcation to try to figure out how to get some post-petition services where you don't have to bifurcate the case. Mm-hmm. And we're excited to work with them and to see what they're doing. And this idea of creating access to clients is new and is fun and is emerging in the market right now, but it's not necessarily tied to any one thing. Mm-hmm. You know, bifurcation is a technique that's being used, but it's not the only technique out there. Okay. And so what a lot of things are going on is bifurcation itself is getting both good and bad publicity about it right now. And it's getting good and bad things said about it. And some judges are falling on one side and some judges are falling on the other. So yeah. it's definitely a charged topic and it's interesting to see it. But for But for the attorneys that are running with it and they're going with it, I mean, from a marketing standpoint, it's insanity. Yeah, it's awesome. It's a it's a revolution, like you said. I mean, it's it's sweet. It's it's fun to be a part of and fun to watch, honestly. Yeah. When my client sent me the adversary proceeding and I read it, I like my fingers like I couldn't reach out to you over LinkedIn fast enough. I was so excited. Yeah. Because I, I saw. I mean, I'm a marketing guy. I see. I listen to these phone calls where prospects out there who are desperate in desperate need of a bankruptcy are talking to attorneys. I listen to these recorded calls and they all, they all are, have terrible cash flow problems that are going to be solved when they have the bankruptcy, but it's, it creates this real, how do you get there from here problem? And that's what this approach addresses directly. Yeah. Well, that that's, yeah. that's awesome. Do you have any success metrics that you can share in terms of how many attorneys you're working with? Or I don't know if you want to, if you if you don't want to say anything, that's okay. But um. no, we're we're. I'll just be honest with you. We're we're a little low key right now, just because we're trying not to be a bull in the china shop. Mm-hmm. You know, we're we're kind of. It's a disruptive thing that's happening in the market, mm-hmm. and we don't necessarily want to be the big target, the big disruptive factor. We want to be part of the conversation, but we feel like it's really. It's really something that's happening on the attorney level. So, you know, we're in 40, we're in over 40 states. We've grown. I mean, the the growth that we've experienced is just exponential, which we appreciate all the attorneys that have come to us. Like our, our wait list to even join, we have a queue that's probably four to five months deep. Oh, wow. Yeah. So like the, the and that's, that's why, honestly, Bob, like we are slowing it down on purpose. Like as, as far as what we're doing, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Because there's just so much to watch and so much that needs to, so many T's that need to be crossed and I's that need to be dotted. And instead of just running down the market and blowing down the doors, we're really trying to work with frankly, early adopters that understand what's happening mm-hmm. and understand that this is not something that's not going to move. This is a market shift. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, 
you can't you can either get in front of it and ride with it or you can get run over by it yeah and some people understand that and some people don't and some people are trying very hard to to shut it down frankly and we'll we'll see kind of how that day plays out but i think what's really really fun is the fact that so many attorneys are embracing the idea of being able to to offer the solution to their clients and it's great that we can support them with the capital, but a lot of them are doing it without our support. A lot of people are just saying, look, we'll, we'll take you and we'll, we'll do your bankruptcy and we'll do monthly payments. And so the whole market is benefiting because now clients are able to really get the help that they've always needed, but had to try to come up with all the attorney's fees up front. And frankly, attorneys can make more money. Absolutely. Because instead of having to cut a deal... Yeah, instead of having to cut a deal and say, well, you can only come up with 750 bucks or you can only come up with a thousand bucks, I'll take it. Mm-hmm. You know, they can say, they can say, no, I'm going to charge you two grand or 2,200 bucks or whatever the case might be. Mm-hmm. And you can pay me 200 bucks a month for a year or 200 bucks a month for 10 months or whatever. So mm-hmm. everybody's making more money. I think the market is returning to a healthier place. And I think it's really the right solution, long-term solution for the market. So we'll see how the, the factoring, you know, plays into it. And we'll see how bifurcation shakes down around the nation. But even if bifurcation does what it does and, and shuts down in certain areas, there will always be methods that you can use that will allow you to file a case and file a bankruptcy and still accept post-petition payments from your clients. Awesome. Now, I have clients, if I'm trying to sell to my clients to tell them to try to get on your waiting list, are there particular areas like the Fourth Circuit or whatever, Ninth Circuit, wherever, where bifurcation is more accepted and that, that it's less risky from their point of view? You know what? That's a great question. And case law in the Ninth is really great, but there's some activity in the Ninth that is a little bit troubling. So we'll see how that shakes down. Mm -hmm. The good news is, is I don't think it's bifurcation specific. I think it just has to do with making sure that everything is done properly and regulating it. So I think the ninth is going to be pretty good. I think the ninth circuit is going to be wide open. The sixth is really good. The seventh is really good. Everything else. And then, you know, Florida and Florida's got great, great case law also. And Georgia's pretty good too. So you've got some areas around the country that are open to it and that have, that have dealt with it before. But in some of these other areas where it hasn't really been done before, it's at least not on the mass scale, it's, it's getting some opposition. You know, I saw a lot of advertisements. I regularly look at AdWords advertisements for bankruptcy lawyers. Mm-hmm. I actually saw a ton of advertisements. It was last summer in Utah. Was that because of your presence or is that something that's yeah. probably... Yeah. yeah, that's just everybody getting on board and doing it. You know, we we saw it in Utah. It already happened. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a there's been a switch. So the whole the whole market switched to it. And the ones that aren't doing it aren't really able to compete. Yeah, they're just going to get run over. Mm-hmm. What about the Fifth Circuit cuz I have some clients in Texas. Is there anything The Fifth Circuit's great, but there's not a lot of case law. So it's wide open. So the guys that are the early adopters and and in Texas and in other areas are going to have to be a little proactive if they want it to be safe, you know? I'd be excited to get a customer doing a $0 down, having a $0 down offer because, I mean, in terms of marketing that offer, it just makes my job so much easier. Sure. That'd be super exciting. Yeah. Um, Last thought, did you see that article, this was uh, maybe six months ago, it was about Memphis and how all these bankruptcy lawyers are taking these often African-American clients and putting them into expensive Chapter 13 plans 
just so that they can get them some financing. Did you see that article? I didn't see that, no. I'm going to send it to you, and I'll link it in the transcript for people who are listening to the podcast. It was a real kind of travesty of social justice where you have all these poor African-American clients that are getting shunted into chapter 13 plans that maybe they can't afford they make six months of payment and then something happens and then yeah it's as if they just wasted you know five thousand dollars or whatever the amount that they've put into the payment plan so this is a real alternative to that that would not have a five-year payment plan yeah and it would have much in general have much lower attorney fees so so i'll definitely send that send that over to you yeah i appreciate that well this is super exciting as you can tell i'm a i'm biased i'm a, I'm a fan but I think that this is the this is this is going to be a big wave in bankruptcy, and and that's what bankruptcy law success. That's what my little podcast is about: trying to understand what these best practices are and try to help my listeners stay ahead of the curve. So, David, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Hey, thank you, Bob. It was great. All right, thank you. Bye bye. <laughs>